Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. So we have the Eskimos at the Stampeders Monday, 11.30 for the countdown to kickoff, 1 p.m. for the start of the game. Next Friday, so that's, uh, what would that be, September 8th, we're going to have an Oilers-Young Stars game from the annual tournament in Penticton. Next Saturday, the Labor Day rematch. Stampeders at the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium to take on the Eskimos. So tons of uh, live sports for you here on uh, 6.30, Chet, in the months to come. It is going to be fun. Big stretch drive coming up for the Eskimos. Uh, are they going to be able to stay on pace for a season with a 18 uh, number of wins, 13, 14, 50? Are they going to be dropping off and fighting for a playoff spot? We shall soon find out, and I think hopes are pretty high for the Edmonton Oilers after a 47-win season uh, last year, one win away from going to the conference final. You can text 630-630. My name is Reed Wilkins. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Uh, Brock Sunderland, the Eskimos general manager, was on the show last night. Always enjoy talking to Brock and he was right down on the bench in the sidelines amongst the players and coaches during that loss to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You've probably noticed him there during other games. You know, I said, did you, I asked him, do you want to be down there when your team's losing bad? Did you learn anything about your team? I, you know, with this group, it wasn't important to be down there to see that because I know through and through who these guys are and what their character is. And after the Winnipeg loss and, and again on Friday night, uh, everything that was said by by Coach Moss, by the leaders of this team was exactly what they should say, which is it's a long season, we're not going to flinch. They're approaching too. Uh, Saskatchewan played really well. We certainly didn't play our best, so nobody was pouting, no one was throwing their helmet on the ground, no one was flinching, and, and there's no panic here. We're fine. We're 7-2, and two, and uh, quite frankly, there's a lot of organizations that would love to be 7-2 at this point, so we're going to, we took one on the chin. Uh, we're big boys. We're going to roll our sleeves up, get back to work, and things that happen on Friday night are correctable, so it's our job to correct them and not pout, and that's the approach we're taking. Well, I don't think the Eskimos are, are a team that is going to pout. I don't think their quarterback and head coach would allow them to pout, even if they wanted to. I, I know there was talk after that that game. Uh, you know, I, I usually call into the post-game show and talk to Dave and Morley and Blake, and other people were calling in. A lot of people identified a more concern with the offense after that game. I'm actually on the other side of the fence. I'm more concerned about the defense. I don't know what's going to happen at the linebacker position. Now they, they you know, they may they may get an injured guy or two back, which is obviously going to help. But if you look at what Winnipeg and Saskatchewan were able to do, I mean, yeah, sure, there, there are big plays. I, I didn't think there was an unusual amount of explosive plays against the Eskimos. It's not like they gave up, you know, 40-yard pass after 40-yard pass. But there was poor tackling, especially in the Winnipeg loss. And in both games, there were a lot of patterns 
where a quarterback, whether it was Glenn or Nichols, got the ball, got rid of it quick, and, and hit a receiver 6 to 12 yards down the field. And that's the area of the field where the linebackers could help in coverage. And, and I think they're exploiting some inexperience and, and, and you know, some, some worn-down depth. Uh, for the Eskimos at, at the linebacker position. I, I do think the offense is going to bounce back. I mean, I, I, I don't think at this point there should be very many questions about Mike Riley and, and his attitude and his performance and his, his ability to come back from a tough game. And he did have a tough game. Uh, I, I suppose if I if I did have a concern about the Eskimos' offense, it would be running back. I mean, they're down to their third-string guy there. Ladarius Perkins does have some breakaway ability. He has made some big plays. Uh, he hasn't been able to grind out yards between the tackles. Now, it's tough being compared to John White because when John White has been healthy, which unfortunately hasn't been, I mean, he missed all of 15 and now he's going to miss the rest of this year. It's tough to compare him to John White because I think he's excellent at breaking tackles. But Perkins inside tends to get a little bit bogged down and the first guy who hits him also tends to be the guy who brings him down. Whereas I think John White... The first guy who hit him might slow him down, um, but wouldn't bring him down. So, but I, you know, I think Bowman's going to be back. I think Zilstra's we had a quiet game against Saskatchewan. I don't think that's going to continue. They have good depth at receiver. I think they'll be able to move the ball even against good defenses. Just hope the running game is there, and they're going to have to. I mean, if you look at the last two games. I guess you could argue maybe in the third quarter against Saskatchewan, they finally got some stops that. I mean, they were down a lot of points, but maybe could have got them back into the game if they could have got a stop and a score. But there weren't a lot of two and outs and key points of the games against Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. My name is Reed Wilkins. Kevin Carius is in from Global Television, joins us uh, most Wednesdays here on the show. Hey, Kevin, good to see you again, buddy. Goodness gracious, it's good to be here. All right. Well, I'm glad you're excited. <laughs> the dreaded train on 51st there just gets you. Oh, that happens. Every Don't worry about while, that. You got to watch the old CP head by. <laughs> well, it's fine. Uh, put the put the phones on sure. there, buddy. I'm gonna play because I'm I gotta shut your mics off for this. I'm just gonna play this clip from last night. Brock Sunderland, Eskimos GM. Here's his assessment of the first half of the year. Well, we're never surprised by our success. And I said that before, and I'll continue to say that every game we go into, we think we're gonna win, and that's not a guarantee or being boastful. That's just the confidence we have on ourselves. And if we didn't feel that way, then we shouldn't be in the positions we're in. So are we surprised we're 7-2? and two? No, we're not. We think we're, we're a talented club, and we think we have a lot of people that work extremely hard here. Uh, I think we have outstanding players on the roster, and our coaching jo- staff has done a tremendous job. So, um, well, we'd love to be in the feed. We'd love to be in the first place. Um, but we're 7-2, and two and, and we're you know on pace to a 14-4 and four record. Um, if you were to divvy it up into two halves and that is a good pace and we've put ourselves in a position where we control our own destiny and that's what you want to do we're not sitting here going we need to win out or win a percentage of number of games left in the last nine to even get into the playoffs so we've put ourselves in a very good position and and that's what you can ask for at this point all right so that's brock sunderland on this show last night and you can get the full interview by going to the inside sports page on 630ched.com kevin uh you know dave and morley and i did a report card on uh, on monday it's that time of year they're halfway through. It's a little bit of an extended week off because of uh, uh, the game not being played till Monday in Calgary. So it's it's a time to do the old halfway point uh, evaluation. I mean, look, everybody would probably feel 
differently if they started 0-2 and, and then once. <laughs> but, I mean, they're 7-2, and which is a hell of a record, and it's a hell of a surprise they're only in, in third place with that record. But what's your uh, what's your evaluation of the team? If I were to give them, the, like, a grade, you mean? No, or whatever you I want. Mean, I mean, yeah. I'd probably give them an A-. minus. Uh, you know, I think at seven and two, you're very happy at the halfway point with that record. Having said that, I mean, this is the teeth of the season right now. I mean, you got the two games against Calgary, and everybody knows it's right around here where things kind of go one way or the other, and you kind of realize what kind of football team that you have. In a week here or so, we could be saying that this team is seven and four. And it's not a stretch to say that. They could lose both these games and go be on a four-game losing streak. That's a fair assessment because Calgary's a good football claim club. But uh, if that happens and then you see what happens between Saskatchewan and Winnipeg with their home-and-home, home, mm-hmm. I mean, let's just say that that's a split or even maybe Winnipeg wins both the games because Winnipeg's playing very well right now. Now, then the Eskimos are in a solid third spot right now, and that's not where they want to be, obviously, because you want to host a game. It's an it's an incredible race. Uh, you know, Saskatchewan is... It, Saskatchewan's interesting to me, and I, and I know whenever I, I say negative stuff about the riders, rider fans pick on me. I think they're very good. Uh, why, why, no, I think they're good. I think the Chris Jones formula is starting to work. I mean, I got a buddy who's a passionate Riders fan, and he texted me during the third quarter, and he goes, well, Riders are better than the Esks now. And I said, well, they are tonight. Let's hold the phone overall. Because, you know, Kevin Kevin Glenn had an efficient game against the Eskimos. He had a couple of picks that were that were dropped that could have changed the game. And don't forget, the Riders are three weeks removed from basically being shut out by the BC Lions. It was 30 to nothing, and they got two garbage-time touchdowns in the last two and a half minutes. And BC, here's the thing I've learned, Kevin, and and you're a more seasoned gentleman than I am. <laughs> you never count Bono. out what, Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you. You never count out a team with Wally Bono as the coach. Um I think what happened against the Riders that is that the Eskimos injuries finally caught up with them, um, especially in line at the linebacking position. You can say that about the defensive line too a little bit, but for the most part, the defensive line has been very solid this, this year. But when you're when you look at on defense and the defensive line's kind of looking behind their shoulders, kind of going, "What are what's everyone else doing here?" Because I'm not sure, do we have to do more then than just our job? I think that's kind of the position that the defensive line's been put in because of what's behind them. I mean, in the secondary, a lot of injuries, and at linebacker, a lot of injuries as well. So I think that was probably one of the reasons why the defense didn't play as well as it could have on uh, Friday against Saskatchewan. But, I mean... When you any time you're seven and two going in Labor Day home and home with Calgary, and I mean first place is there for the taking on the line. I mean you can't ask for anything else. I mean this is going to be a great couple of weeks of football. Uh, I mean in in terms of the the combined record of the two teams, this is this is one of the should be one of the most anticipated home Labor and showdown. Yeah. And I mean and that, and and it's it's been and I know Morley's made the point. You know, the last five or six years, it actually hasn't been much of a rivalry because except for 2015, Calgary's mm-hmm. pretty much dominated. Uh, but, the, I mean, the West final that year, they were both 14-4. and four. Like, that's never happened in the CFL that two teams had that com- high a combined win total to, to, to meet in the West final. So it, it is going to be fun. Win, win, like, Winnipeg's interesting. I think Andrew Harris 
He, he, uh, he I mean, Riley's certainly an MOP candidate. And, Harris hey, would have to be up there. Matt Nichols is playing very well too here. And I mean, here's a quarterback that sat in the you know in second string here for a lot of years behind Mike Riley, and every time he kind of got a shot, you were wondering, is this guy capable of leading a team? And now you're seeing it. He is leading a football team right now. And he, he's in the discussion for MOP right now, too. Well, and you know what? What's interesting with him, Kevin, and, and you talk about this in a, in a lot of different sports. There, there, are, there are two ways to, to win. One is you go out there and you, and you play spectacular and you just make more plays. And the other thing you got to do is you got to make fewer mistakes. And I think that's the thing with Nichols, right? We, we saw him in Edmonton, and granted, he was hurt and he was in and out. And and then he goes to Winnipeg, and I think at first in Winnipeg too, he makes some good plays, and then there's the pick, right? Or there's the underthrow. Or that there's happened, the sack. In a, yeah. Not anymore. Not yeah. as much. It happened in a game about let's see about a month ago. I'm kind of thinking, and and uh, Nichols threw a pick at the v- very late in the game. Somehow Winnipeg got the ball back, and he marched them down for the winning score. So I think he's he's learned how to be a leader and learn how to be a pro, learn how to be. A guy that when you go into the huddle, everyone's looking at you and saying, "You're, yeah, we believe in you, and you can lead us down, you know, the field for the winning score and, you know, ultimate victory." We're not even talking about a team in the East at all, though. Mm-hmm. Somebody will finish first and second in the division and and, and make the playoffs. Though, look, I still think Toronto could could wind up being uh, being dangerous. Let's just touch on it quickly. Sure. Uh, the Art Bryles thing in. Uh, <laughs> In Hamilton, I mean, I might. I'll just quickly. My, yeah. my take was, you just can't go down that that road with the guy with that on his resume. Well, it's insane that you would even uh, contemplate it. Like, why would you even think about it and then figure out a day later, you know, the hailstorm and the you know what storm that happened, and not go? Did we not see this coming? Yeah. And I mean, like on any level in the organization, from the owner Bob Young to the CEO, to the coach, to whoever, to Ken Austin, someone's got to say, is this a good idea? Yeah. And no one said that, and that's hard to believe. Did you read that? What's even harder to believe is that how... So halfway through the season, this guy's going to come in, and let's just pretend he has nothing bad on his resume. Let's just pretend he's a good football coach, 30 years, whatever, and he's a good football coach that did a lot of good stuff in college. But halfway through the season, he's never coached a down of three down football right. in his career, yeah. and he's going to come in here and be your offensive coordinator. Like that makes, like that's absurd as it is. Yeah. Never mind all like the other gonna stuff. They're going to reel off ten straight wins just because they hire him. And did you read that blog by the anonymous player on Three Down Nation who I made did. that exactly? Oh, who, he said who, that. Who no, said on top yeah. of all that other stuff, yeah. this guy has zero. CFL experience. It's uh, it's crazy. It's, it's okay, I'm going to ask: Is Hamilton going to win a game? They'll win a game at some. They point. should win one. They might beat, they might beat Montreal or something like that. Yeah. I don't know who. Like maybe they beat Ottawa at the end of the year if it's nothing's on the line. Yeah. They don't play Edmonton again, so no. the Eskimos don't have to worry about being. Do you remember uh, what was it? The 4 Tiger Cats team that only won one game. Do you remember who they beat? No, I don't. Saskatchewan in overtime. Oh, was it? Yeah, I oh, remember. Boy. I remember watching that game. It's, did, your, uh, did your buddy phone you with that one after? No, he did. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't bragging about that one. Uh, Seven twenty. Kevin Carius uh, in studio. We're going to come right back. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chet. 
Okay, isn't this uh, Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter? I, I, th- I thought you'd recognize the song. I didn't think you'd know the name of an artist. Oh, I know my stuff. You do. I stand well, corrected. I'm humble in your presence. Unfortunately, Gary Glitter got himself yeah, in some that, trouble as well. And everybody and stopped playing this all song. All the arenas stopped playing this song because... Uh, it was not nice, what he... He wasn't a good guy. Yeah. So... But we'll play it on Chet. <laughs> so we'll play anything. Just 30 we seconds We even put so. Carius and Wilkins on the air. It's great. <laughs> Boston up... Uh, that's Patrick Bauer, uh, studio producer tonight. Boston up 3-1 on the Blue Jays. Top of the eighth. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Uh, in about half an hour, you'll meet Matteo Dalson. Canadian cyclist, Tour of Alberta competitor. He is the reigning Canadian road race champion, 26-year-old from Ottawa. He's going to be racing his third Tour of Alberta. So basically Jasper, uh, well, the park on uh, Friday, Friday, Spruce Grove and area. Tuesday, kind of University Grote Road. Saturday. Did I say Tuesday? Yeah. Jeez, I'm getting would way not ahead be of myself. What a time trip travel. that would be. That would be a <laughs> You go around Spruce Grove for four days, riders. There's an endurance test for you. No, keep going. Yeah. No, just go up and down the hill to Marmot and back 100,000 oh, times. Yeah, that'd be hard. Okay, so let me start over. Jasper Park and up to Marmot on Friday. Friday. Spruce Grove and rural area Saturday. Uh, Edmonton uh, University Gross Groat Road Sunday Sunday and then the Churchill Square downtown River Valley Loop right. to finish off Labor Day Monday, Monday. Uh, Global Television will be covering that I'll have some we've actually as well. we've actually got the live stream that's right of the event so if people want to tune into our website globaledmonton.ca uh, slash Edmonton I believe so you, you can just go on the website and navigate around and you can see the race live even starting out in Jasper so yep. we'll be taking a feed uh, oh I can't remember the company something 88 something 81 and it's but, all if you're if you live in any of those communities or you, it's free to watch like you yeah, just go, you just go the, on and, and they're watch. doing laps so you'll see them yeah and a lot of it like especially you know in Jasper you get to see the countryside and things like that and the mountains and everything like that it's it's pretty to watch on TV for sure yeah um, so Matteo Delson is uh, the young Canadian guy so I interviewed him they had a news conference at City Hall so mm-hmm. I sat down and uh, and uh, he'll be wearing the Maple Leaf jersey he, yes which is cool as the, as the Canadian champ because right that's the thing about cycling is and people always know about the yellow jersey for the leader but they got a polka dot stage leader they got FC Edmonton yeah. sponsored a jersey for the best young rider yeah. all that kind of stuff uh, but Matteo was telling me actually after after the interview but I should share this Kevin because it's pretty cool he's from Ottawa mm-hmm. in late June he won the Canadian Road Race Championships in Ottawa and the race started like three blocks from his house. Like oh. he, he goes, I walked to the race and met my team. Like what? It's basic, what, what a story! Oh, it's like the movie Breaking Away. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> no, I've not seen Breaking okay, Away. Which go one watch, is that one? Go watch Breaking Away. It's a movie. It's an old, old movie now, but it's about a. It, it's a similar is thing. Seventies movie? When was uh, that out? I, your, I, early eighties, maybe somewhere in there. So I was pretty little. But it was Why a guy, a guy that, that was just uh, totally in love with with cycling, and his buddies were. They called them. Uh, oh, what were the names? Oh, there of the it guys is. They called them. Oh, someone please text it in. Um, but they had him on their shirts, and this guy basically ran the whole race himself. And he was in love with the Italian team, and he caught up to the Italians in this road race, and one of the Italian guys threw a big stick or a, a bar into his spokes. Oh, that's w- terrible. Yeah, and he went for a tumble, and um, uh, what were those guys' names? They used to hang out at the quarry. It's a, it's a really good movie. Uh, just even not if you don't even like cycling, but it's it's a movie that's quite inspirational because this this guy was just totally in love with the sport of cycling, and he took all his uh, friends along. Jackie Haley was in the movie. Yeah. He was from the Bad News Bears. 
Uh, uh, Jack Earl Haley, Jack who Earle Haley. has gone on to play uh, what he was in Watchmen. Yeah. And I think he was uh, Freddy in the new uh, I Nightmare movies. I think they were movies. called Drifters or something on their shirts. Or I can't remember. Dennis Christopher was in it. Dennis, uh, Quaid. Dennis Quaid was in it, yes. And it won the 1979 Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. There How about that? Go. Breaking away. Breaking I'm away. ashamed to say I've not seen this film, even through three years of working so at So now you should watch video. it. Watch it. It's really Go home and, and watch, yeah. it. Oh, go home and and watch it after Guns N' Roses. Blockbuster video. I guess you should have seen it. Yeah. Well, I was... It should, it should have been under like the Seinfeld. Reed's <laughs> best picks. <laughs> <laughs> we got to take a Time out more with Carius when we get back. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, there we go. Classic pump-up song. Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue. From their album, Dr. Feelgood. I want to say 1990 for that one, or was it 89? Somebody will correct me. By far their best album, I think. One of my favorite songs, actually. That is a good song. Yeah. It is a good, a great intro, and it's a good song front to back. I was talking about earlier, so Guns N' Roses is tonight. I think they're going to hit the stage pretty soon. I'm, I'm heading there after work. Uh, Kevin Carey's in studio. My name is uh, Reed Wilkins. Are you, are you a Guns N' Roses fan? I wouldn't say a fan. I know a few of their songs. I like Motley Crue better. But okay. Yeah. Uh, I saw Motley Crue. Actually, I snuck into the building when they were at Rogers. Well, no, at Rexall, I guess. Okay. Or at Rexall. Uh, several years back, I... You snuck into the building as an adult? I went in through... This is back when I was doing Oiler <laughs> Games. And one guy kind of knew me, and I was wearing a, a bit... I have that... Have you ever seen me with that red, long, Reg Dunlop leather jacket? I don't know if I've seen that one. Oh, it's a beautiful jacket. It sounds beautiful. It's, 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 it's not Reg Dunlop because he had a two-piece uh, leather suit. Uh, it'd be more like Tim Dr. Hook McCracken. Okay. So just a total, like, that's what he had. <laughs> okay. So I got into the building, and basically, it's funny. I It was all different because I just said I had to go pick up some stuff, and they said, okay, and they were giving me the old stink yeah. guy. And uh, I made a right turn and went up the stairs somewhere and got, ended up in Brent Sake's uh, luxury box and watched the concert. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Thanks for admitting that. Yeah. That's well, great. It's a long time ago. <laughs> the jacket got me in, though. The jacket? Well, the right. The jacket got they, me in. They thought you were with I the band. I was with the band, yeah. Yeah, they thought you were maybe like the backup keyboard player or something. Well, I don't know if Molly Crew has keyboards. I think I think Guns N' Roses has, yeah, has a keyboard player. They thought I was Nikki Six. <laughs> <laughs> they thought you were Nikki Six. That's right. Showing up an hour late. They would do that. I, there was a story uh, when Guns N' Roses came here probably in the late 80s. And somebody can verify this, because I've only heard it second, third hand, that when they were playing, I guess, what would have it been? It was probably still Northland's Coliseum, yeah. if it was a couple years before or after 1990. So we're talking when they were really big. I don't know if it was the Use Your Illusion tour okay. or still Appetite for Destruction, but they were really big. And that the concert or something like didn't start till midnight because Axel was so late and that a lot of people who took the train had mm-hmm. to leave early because the last train was 1 or right, one yeah, one yeah. ten. And apparently, the so if anybody was there or remembers this, text 63630 because I'd like to get verification of this. Yeah. I was not there myself. I don't recall it. Yeah, but I think they they got to pretty much start on time tonight because of the noise in the neighborhood. Yeah, the, well, the I mean, on a night like tonight, too, it's beautiful out. It's getting warmer right now because is it the, it? Ha- the haze is going away. Okay. I was at the police concert at Commonwealth several years ago on a night just like tonight where it was 30 above, and it was unreal. So that place is going to be rocking tonight. 
Do you have, uh, we were playing these these pump-up songs, so we were saying Welcome to the Jungle gets played mm-hmm. a lot from uh, uh, Certainly Kickstart My Heart, Machine Head by Bush, Thunderstruck by ACDC, somebody said, you know, Jump by Van Halen still gets played quite a bit. Uh, song 2 by Blur, you know, the mm-hmm. woo-hoo! That one does, yeah. Yeah. I like, uh, there's some good BTO songs, like Taking Care of Business. Oh, yeah, and, that's a good one. You know, uh, I, I, you know, there's some good Canadian ones in there. Guess Who? couple of those ones are pretty good. American Woman? Yeah, well, I wouldn't I don't know that if that's far. a pump-up yeah. song. No. That's more of a middle-of-period middle, middle yeah, period song. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> you can text... Uh, Post-period, six... post-game. <laughs> uh, it was Derek and Camero says that was 1988, the Guns N' Roses concert. So that would have been when they were touring for for, uh, for Appetite for Destruction. Have you seen the uh, videos from earlier in the tour? Because Axel had the broken foot. No. And he had to sit the whole time. So I believe what happened was, so Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters had a oh, leg injury. Yeah, so he did a whole concert okay. on a big chair playing the guitar. Yeah. And then I think they lent that chair to... to uh, Keith Richards. Or was it, no, it was, it was <laughs> yeah, with, just so he could sit down and rest. I think it was, it might have been when Axel was doing that tour with ACDC. They okay. gave him the chair because he did the lead singing for ACDC hmm. on the last tour. Anyway, they're all connected some, somewhere or another. Hey, I wanted to ask you this, Kevin. Yeah. It is a good night to talk about music, but we'll weave that in and out. Uh, rivalries, Eskimos, Stampeders, and and we and I love when you have the stories from your days covering junior or high school because the, 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 those are still those are I, I have great stories from those like a rivalry that you covered, can, you know, or you can do NHL or CFL where you were like, oh my god, or something you saw behind the scenes or where just the hatred was like so intense. Hatred, oh, well, you know, like. Even growing up in Saskatchewan, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Rough Rider rivalry was was really good. Yeah. Because the riders were so bad, and they were just terrible. They were horror awful, and all the riders fans cared about is if they could win on Labor Day. If they won the game on Labor Day, then that's all they cared about. Because they were four and twelve every year. For oh, a while that's or worse. generous. Yeah. yeah, that is generous. I gotta look up their season. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again back then it was sixteen games for sure. Uh, they were usually two and fourteen, three and thirteen, um, but they had a place at, at Taylor Field then, uh, you know, in the late eighties and mid eighties, where they called it Hemorrhoid Hill, <laughs> and uh, it's the truth. Yeah. So uh, back then, Taylor Field would would hold about twenty six thousand, mm-hmm. and what happened on Labor Day, there'd be they just wouldn't turn anyone away. So they'd bring all the fans in and they'd put them on this grass knoll on the in one of the end zones, and you know, no seats, no nothing, just no lawn chairs, just sit on the grass, and that's how it got called Hemorrhoid Hill. Well, but, did you ever sit on that? No, hill? you know, I never did. But we we had tickets always up high. But you know, back then, if they they would jam in another. I'd say six, seven thousand people to get around thirty-two thousand for those Labor Day games. So, and again, if the Riders won that game, that's all they cared about. So, okay, whatever the from nineteen seventy-seven to nineteen eighty-seven, the Rough Riders in a in a nine-team league never made the playoffs. Eleven okay. seasons. Their best year was nine and seven in nineteen eighty-one. So they were fourth in the West. There was no crossover, right? There. Because eighty-one was the year five and. 11 Ottawa. So I'm looking, I'm as far away. I see a lot so of 2 and 14. They went 2 and 14 twice. Uh, they actually never went exactly 3 and 13, 5 and oh. 11, 6 and 12. Like, yeah, they were, they only got to seven wins a couple of times. So, yeah, if they won on Labor Day, that's basically what people could hope for. Yeah. And 
I mean, back then, you know, then you'd go to Winnipeg, right, and play the next game. Yeah. But uh, no one really cared because they, by then you're out of the playoffs, it seemed anyway, right? Because, you know, Edmonton was always in, BC was always in, and Calgary was always in. Winnipeg was fighting too at that point too. So the Riders, as you say, you know. So let me ask you this, because you grew up in Saskatchewan. Does that Saskatchewan-Manitoba rivalry extend to other sports? Does it extend to business? Like, do you kind of have, no. you know, like how Edmonton and Calgary people will, will sneer at each other about other stuff? Like, no. it's just football? It's just the Riders and Bombers. That's it. I mean, there there really wasn't anything else back then. I mean, you know, if you, you could go back a long time ago and then, you know, when there were... You know, say, I don't even think you you could call anything with the Regina Pats or the Blades against, say, Brandon or anything like that. There was just, there was nothing. Mm-hmm. It was just the just the Riders and the Bombers. That's it. Kevin Carius joining us inside Sports on 6.3. We're getting a text about uh, this person says uh, from that Guns N' Roses concert in 1988 which Derek and Cameron was confirmed. Uh, this texter says, I don't remember it being midnight when it started, but it was very late, and they ordered a pizza and pulled out a couch on stage and took a break to eat. <laughs> that would have been entertaining. Well, yeah, we'll uh, start playing more songs, about seven minutes. Got a pizza. They can do whatever they want. They can want. do whatever they want. That's the great thing about the rock star life. Yeah. You can truly wear whatever you want, act. I mean, within reason, obviously. But um, this texter says, uh, Keith says, Axel did the same thing in a concert in 2007. Didn't start until midnight. It was a February concert. Wasn't over until 3.30 of the morning. It'll be a Where was that at? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Keith, uh, I don't, that couldn't have been Edmonton. Hmm. Uh... This texture says, uh, I'm from Montreal. Ever since they canceled the concert there, I won't support Axl Rose. He was terrible filling in for Brian Johnson on ACDC. Okay, so there you go. Oh, there's a lot of non-fans checking in as well wow. for Guns N' Roses. That's okay. So you're fired up for the concert tonight? Well, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm fired up. I mean, I'm interested. And yeah. I, I know, uh, I know, I know the hits. I mean, I think uh, Appetite for Destruction would be one of my top three albums from the 80s, actually. Mm-hmm. Use Your Illusions, those two albums were, you know, overblown and overproduced. And, you know, they could have made one really good album. Instead, I think they made two mediocre albums with a few really good songs. Like Don't Cry is a great song. Uh, November Rain's pretty good. Um, I don't know if there's a good rocker off those ones that really stands out, like Welcome to the Jungle or Out to mm-hmm. Get Me or Night Train, like some really high-tempo <laughs> guitar tracks off Appetite for Destruction. Am I speaking Greek to you here? Yeah. Not, Interesting. Not a lot of... It's, like, I'm not, like, I'm not, not that a lot much, of connection going on. I guess I'm not that on. much older than you, but yeah. just enough where you were... It, like It's just like when people talk to me about rock music of the mid-70s well, I was a, a kid. Right. So I wasn't quite connecting with that yet. And by the same token, when I was in that junior high, high school age, you were like, you're a little older, so you probably moved on or oh. your, your bands were a little earlier. Yeah, I was in... Or you were in a country music. Well, I liked a lot of country music. Like the old stuff, though. And I, to be honest with you, I like a lot of jazz music. I, I listen to that probably. So where, where do you go to listen to live jazz, if anywhere? Well, you, you have to go to the Yardbird Suite. Yep. And during Jazz Fest, you can go to a number of locations. But, you know, there's a lot of times, you know, you can just go to little little clubs that have some, you know, just three-piece three, three piece jazz bands. So you find those? I'm, I'm yeah, seriously I mean, curious. Like, yeah, there are, I like, are there enough of those in Edmonton to yeah, satisfy? Yeah, you got to find them. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I play hockey with a guy, Dave Babcock. He's a, he's a pretty good... Uh, 
sax player. Well, he plays a lot of instruments, but you know he goes to a lot of locales. If you kind of follow him around, you'll you'll be able to listen right. to some jazz around here. But for the most part, you pretty well got to if you want to. If you want to go to make sure you're going to hear some, you got to go to the Yardbird Suite. And do they have what every night, every weekend? Oh, it's no, not every, not every night. It'd be on the weekends. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I had no idea you were in a jazz. That's but I like incredible. the older stuff, like older, like Charlie Parker and and guys. Did you see La La Land? No, I haven't. Okay, so, so now I if you ever watch that, that here we're recommending movies okay. to each other. So I got to watch. I already forgot the title. Breaking Away. Breaking Away, and I got to go see La La Land. You got to see La La Land because Ryan Gosling's character is a huge, like hardcore, pure jazz guy. Okay. Like it can't be diluted. Has to be done a certain way in a certain mm-hmm. environment, and that's true. True okay. music, so I think you'd appreciate. I'm going to watch character. it right now. You could, you could, you have time to watch it before your show. Is this, was that a new movie or what? La La Land was the one that accidentally one, win won the Best Picture. Oh, remember? Okay, yeah, okay. It well, was the one. So uh, Emma Stone won Best Actress. I think it won Best Director, and then it was originally announced as Best Picture before La La yeah. came uh, came in. Do you love Frank Sinatra? Oh yeah, big time Frank Sinatra. He's pretty good. Yeah, huge. In fact. The guys, like, you know, at the World's Longest Hockey Game, which we're doing again in uh, February. Oh, sweet. Guys have their songs, and they come out in the ice or whatever. So I end up getting, you know, the guy that plays the tunes, he plays Sinatra for me for, you know, half an hour or so. You got an intro song. Well, an intro. An and intro album. It, intro it just keeps going. Whole half hour, 45 minutes. By the way, you, did, did the, the guys in Buffalo uh, set bro- the new record? They did set the new record. By how much? A few I'm hours? Not, yeah, a couple hours, but we're 100% behind. Oh, it. absolutely. No, I know it's yeah. not like... Yeah, no, yeah, well, it's, only it's because... All- they fun, raised right? a whole lot of dough. They yeah. raised a lot of money. They had the Buffalo Sabres behind them. They had Mike Pekka was in the game. Yeah, they had tons of sponsors. Uh, you know, uh, just in a, a well-organized event, just like uh, Brent Sakes is going to be again in February. How many innings of that baseball game did you guys do? Was that last summer? Yeah, that it was, was last summer. Right? One year ago, right. almost one year ago. Right now, it was about September. Yeah, it was September long. Yeah, it was weekend. a long weekend. Yeah, what did you guys play? Like weekend. 180 innings? Yeah, or it's more, more than, than that. that. It was. I can't remember now. <laughs> It was all right. Kevin pitched a, a no-hitter. No. Didn't I allow didn't, a base runner. A lot of guys said that played both were kind of saying that the ball was harder, and I was like, come on, man. There's no way the baseball was harder than the hockey. For one, it was only like 72 hours, not 250 or whatever it is. Uh, this portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed writer. It's free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. Kevin, I sent you topic mm-hmm. ideas yesterday. We didn't even cover, I think we might have covered one of them. We got jazz and we got, we jazz just, we and we got music in. That's fine. Uh, in your final 10 seconds, uh, Monday, who wins? Stampeder, sorry. Okay. Kevin Carius, Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet at 7.47. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chet. Boston now leading the Blue Jays 7-1 in the bottom of the eighth. The Tour of Alberta starts Monday in Jasper National Park, or starts Friday. I got my days all mixed up here. It'll end Monday in downtown Edmonton. Matteo Dalsin from Ottawa is in the race for the third time. He's the Canadian road race champion. I talked to him today during a news conference at City Hall. Well, welcome back to uh, to Alberta. Uh, are you feeling ready? You feeling ready for the weekend here? Yeah, yeah, pretty excited. It, uh, it's going to be my first race back in a little while, so uh, excited to get the ball rolling and uh, be back in the peloton racing. What happened with, with the injury and how long have you been out of action? Um, I'm not sure exactly what happened, but it was just a training injury and uh, kind of put me out of commission for a bit. And it's been a month and a half now, uh, two weeks of like pretty much R&R and then uh, sort of a build back up to, to race form. 
that's got to be maddening. I mean, right in the heart of the, the summer to have to sit out of it. Yeah, it's a pretty big blow to the morale. Um, anytime you have an injury, whether it be a crash or something like what I've been dealing with, with a nagging knee injury, um, it's hard to deal with. And yeah, certainly when it takes you out in sort of the heart of the season, it's uh, it's tough to sort of give up those race days when you're in good form and uh, and you want to just be out there competing and and now you're having to sit on the sidelines and wait for recovery. Um, I think as an athlete, that's one of the hardest things to do. So you're the reigning Canadian uh, road race champ. I mean, was that that had to have been a goal achieved? I mean, how did that how did that feel? Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a goal that's uh, been one I've tried to realize for my entire cycling career. So uh, it was pretty special to uh, to get that, and I won it at home, which was uh, just made it all that much better. Um, yeah, I mean, it's sort of starting to set in now in terms of. I've got the kit and stuff like that, but I still haven't got to race in it, so uh, it hasn't fully set in as uh, as being real. All right, so you're 26. Yep, you that's correct. Grew up in Ottawa. Yep. Uh, how did you, how did you get into cycling? Tell tell me what a young Matteo what lit the spark for this sport. So uh, yeah, biking's a pretty big uh, big sport in my family. My parents both ride, and uh, yeah, they're just. My dad raced, and my mom's super enthusiastic and just loves riding. So it's been uh, made available to me since I was super young. They, as soon as they could find me a road bike, they bought that, and I was out uh, ripping around on that. Um, we don't have as much racing as they do in Europe for young kids. So I mean, most of it was just riding and you know weekend fun rides with my family. But uh, yeah, as soon as there was racing available, we were uh, we were right there and having at it. Who do you look up to in the sport? Um, that's a tough question. I mean... Well, it is tough because some of the guys who were good, sometimes then yeah. they get caught doping, right? So uh, it's... Uh, are, yeah. there, are there Canadians, though, that have inspired you along the way? I didn't want to say that, but yeah, that is the sort of hard part is like as you're growing up and then you have these idols in the sport... Uh, yeah, a few of them have, uh, have let you down over the past. Um, Sporting-wise, yeah, I mean, all the Canadians that are strong riders are uh, are fun to uh, to cheer on. And I would say more recently, and he's just come to the sort of the cycling scene in the past few years. But Mike Woods, um, he's a good friend. He's also from Ottawa, and he's extremely inspirational and. Uh, like just his work ethic and his morals and everything about him is just like above and beyond in terms of sportsmanship so i would say if i was to pick someone now that that's someone who i really look up to in terms of of canadian cycling in general i mean you mentioned uh you know as a kid getting involved and, and maybe you're going on you know fun races whereas in other countries maybe it's like hockey is here right or like football is here where there are more opportunities has that been has that been difficult or did you have to go elsewhere to get some training how did how did that all come together um yeah i mean i grew up playing hockey and soccer because that's what there was but uh yeah there's for sure a little bit of a challenge posed and that uh if you want to compete in cycling you got to get in the car and do some pretty solid road trips um you know, it's not like you're having uh, thousands of kids playing playing hockey in your city and you can make a 20, 30-minute drive to your arena and, and play. It's uh, 
oftentimes like a three, four, five hour drive to uh, to get to the nearest race for that weekend. And it's a pretty big undertaking for, well, at the time for my parents to commit their weekends to driving me to those things. And uh, yeah, it's tough. I think um, for sure it's a harder path over here in North America to get into the sport, but uh, I love riding and super glad that that's uh, a path that I chose to follow. All right, and finally, take take us through what you expect from from this weekend. I mean, you start in the mountains. Obviously, you're going to finish in an in an urban environment, though there are still going to be some climbs within the city of Edmonton because of the river valley. So, is it pretty varied, you know, over the four days, or how do you look at the challenges? Yeah. So the first day is uh, we finish up like a proper mountain, right? And uh, and then the last uh, two days are both sort of hilly, punchy circuits. Um, so yeah, it's going to be those are two very different uh, kind of riders that can can excel on those. And then the second day uh, is a flatter day, so there's a good day for the sprinters. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of rider can come away with uh, with the win in terms of like how they best utilize their team to uh, to pick up time on the road and make the most of the stages that suit them. Uh, I'm hoping that we can uh, exercise some of our options early on with our good climbers and uh, and hopefully defend them for the final three days. Mateo, all the best. Thank you very much.